All right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Devon Zimmerman, here in the bow shop today. And I have uh, my buddy Mitch Shirk with me. How are you doing today? I'm living the dream. Looking forward to doing this. This was a lot of talking and carrying on for us to do this, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. Glad it worked out. And uh, Yeah, me too, for sure. Me too, for sure. Did you... Uh, did you get everything cleared off at the bow shop in time to get people back in or here shooting? Yeah, I did. Um, so I guess for the record, it's February 8th today, and last week we had um, about two feet of snow, really. Twice. Once, and then, yeah, just the past couple of days we had two or three more inches. So, yeah, to answer your question, last beginning of last week we, were, we actually had to close the day because um, I think everybody was digging out, and we were digging out, too. So... <laughs> Still trying to kind of catch up from that. Looks like possibly some more in the, some more snow is in the forecast. Yeah, I tell you what, I was liking the past couple of years where we didn't have much of a winter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can handle one good shot, but after that, then it's like let's get to spring already. But, uh, <laughs> so how does that look for when you get all the snow? What's that look like when you're going out and doing your off season stuff? Well, if we got two feet, it definitely puts the. Uh, <laughs> Puts the damper on that because you ain't walking too far in that much snow. At least I'm not. But um, I do have cameras out. How do you think the deer are faring? You know, that's one of those things everybody has their own opinion on. Uh, I think the deer fare well um, everywhere there's good habitat. And the, the thing you got to realize is a lot of our places in Pennsylvania, with us being so diverse, we've got a lot of places where they're going to move further for resources than we than a lot of hunters realize. Yeah. You know, you get into places where you hunt rifle season, you see whitetails moving in and out through and it's a it's a great time and maybe towards late season cameras go dead and everybody goes, where did the deer go? Well, they yep. just went to where they winter. Yep. Um, yep. That's that's the one thing that uh, I think a lot of us don't realize is they're masters of huddling up and conserving energy. Right. Uh I mean, it was I think it was 15 or no it was 12 degrees out when i left my house this morning yep so they're not moving around very much so you're not going to see much camera activity in certain times yeah so do you think when we have a lot of snow like we do right now do you think they group up in bigger groups just where the food is i guess it depends what for habitat they got it does i mean for us you know we you know where i'm hunting i spend a lot of our time looking at cameras we'll have deer cruise through um we do a lot of cutting trees i mean we're cutting a lot of trees this time of year great time to cut trees um and if we cut enough they're going to be in the tops yeah and it's it doesn't take much you know you ride a a snowmobile now normally you ride a truck up and you'll see a group of deer take off and they're not bedded too far from that right a lot of time those doe and fawns but for the most part you know there's crop fields in the near vicinity within a mile or two and that and it's nothing to see 40 50 deer pile out in that if that's the food source um had a couple neighbors that logged you got some tops that they're eating and that um it keeps them busy but yeah yeah, I think this is kind of the time of year where you have people say, oh, you know, there's a ton of deer around. Well, probably not really any more than any other time of year. It's just that they're so much more grouped up, and, you know, they're basically wherever they can find food. But, uh, yeah. It changes your camera strategy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So between the bow shop and everything else and with snow, you're probably not out as much as you were. But, I mean, uh, what's, uh, you know, kind of going into uh, – you know what's what's your 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 looking like so far at this point with uh work and, and play <laughs> yeah um well this is kind of the time of year where i try to play catch up a little bit 
Uh, I did not hunt late archery a whole lot, which we have here in Pennsylvania, basically after Christmas till what, uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was over. Normally, I would have liked to get out a couple times. I did not, just because I, yeah, had burned a bunch of days in, you know, November, December, October. So this is kind of my catch-up. Um, as far as the deer, I simply, yeah, I have a bunch of cameras out. Hopefully they're, you know, at least getting a little something. I know some of them probably are not because I haven't moved them to really wintering areas. But I do have a couple cell cameras that are sending me pictures every once in a while, so that scratches the itch a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. I take it with you. a little bit of predator hunting this weekend. I still got two cell cameras out, and that was more driven towards switching them to see what was on there. But I'm not much of a predator hunter in all honesty. So it keeps me busy, keeps keeps the drive going. But the shift right now for me is is definitely focusing to, you know, where am I going to go in the following year for my season? Um, what deer are still left you know we have a good idea of which ones made it through or might have made it through um, right. and transitioning a lot of habitat work you know um, being on, on um, having the privilege to hunt a lot of private land uh, I have the ability to do a lot of off-season work to that private land yep and you know you know everybody makes a joke of all oh, the season begins when the, the next season begins when this one ends well i have sort of i guess yeah. some people yeah. have that mentality i don't know if i'm that gung-ho but this is the best time of year to be really evaluating what we did and making decisions and plans for what are we going to do with the time we have allotted this year and move on right right yeah <laughs> yeah i i definitely have some habitat stuff i want to do obviously yeah it looks like the rest of february here will be pretty much snow covered but hopefully in march we can do that i i think um i get out shed hunting maybe a little more than you do that's something i really look forward to seems like once i get started then that's about all i can think about so i usually try to wait till you know end of february but yeah i know there's guys going out now and finding some sheds already but i think with all this snow it's pretty futile at this point might make um, it tough yeah yeah yeah, so anyways, um, <clears throat> you ready to kind of get into what we want to, our meat and potatoes here? Absolutely, the meat yeah. and potatoes is why you come to something yeah. like this. Yep, yep. So, um, kind of what we decided to do here is a season recap. Um, we both had a pretty good season last, or this past year, 2020. Um, so we kind of like to recap that a little bit and uh, go kind of start with your season um i'll let you kind of start wherever your season started i don't think it was this year it actually started last year i believe um yeah it did and i, I think to kind of give some perspective of where devon and i are come from i mean i'm i love hunting and, and everything else but my true passion is bow hunting whitetails um uh, ever since i'm a kid I, I wanted to always just be in the woods chasing whitetails and that's led into a lot of you know holistic wildlife management and really focusing in and keying in on whitetails i've had the privilege to have a, a, a fantastic private piece that I can hunt. Uh, we've done, you know, numerous amounts of trial and error, learned a lot of things by our own mistakes, and we've had a lot of good successes the past few years. So, I mean, kind of going into 2020 hunting season, that, that's one of my first places I'm choosing to hunt, and we run about 30 to 40 cameras between the private ground. It's 280 acres of, of ground that we own that borders up to public land. So, you know, we, we run a lot of cameras, probably a little bit more than is necessary, but anyway, it's given us the intel we want. We uh, 
going into 2020, I had a couple deer in mind that I was after, but really to backtrack 2019, uh, my wife and I bought it, bought our new house and uh, the lot came with 1.4 acres and half of it's wooded and it's in a, it's just outside of town. It's kind of a suburban setting. We had, uh, you know, a lot of ash trees, you know, any of you that suffered from the emerald ash borer, Yep. I got ash trees that are just everywhere, and I spent all 29 clearing trees and making sure I don't have stuff falling on my house. But So going into, you know, closing on my house, and it was like May or June of 2019, I think it was, um, I didn't spend a lot of time on anything other than house stuff and my main hunting location, which was about 10 minutes from my house. So I'm able to spend a lot, invest a lot of time that, you know, when, family permitting. But right. anyway, I... Uh, I stuck a camera out the first week of archery season because I had seen so many deer at my place and thought, I've got to just see what's here. This is right behind your house. Behind my house, yeah. So I had uh, had gone into the season. All my prep work at 19 went into at the mountain. Uh, We always call our our ground the mountain. Anyway, stuck a camera out behind my house just to see what's going through. And wouldn't you know at the first pull, I have this 11-pointer that it was a mainframe 10 with a kicker off his base. And he was probably going to be in the mid to high 140s, maybe pushing 150. And, I mean, that opened my eyes up. It was a nighttime picture. And I thought, you know, Ah, he's probably just cruising through here. So was at this time. velvet yet, or was this like? No, so this was uh, this was the first week of archery season. Like okay. I said, I was late to the show yep. doing stuff behind my house because I just looked at it as my investment time just wasn't as big of a deal there. Right. Uh, I didn't really expect to have the quality or caliber deer behind my house in that suburban area that Five i really half, have you just have an acre and a half exactly <laughs> it's just an acre and a half i mean there's plenty of good areas but yep. for me to hunt right yeah so this deer comes through and in, in at nighttime and i'm i'm just frothing at the mouth a little bit that i have a deer right behind my back door that's yep. something i would target yeah and i thought nah there's probably not a chance that i'm going to have this uh, a chance to hunt this deer in daylight and then the next string of pictures that week were all daylight morning mm-hmm. and evening so I changed my strategy and I hunted that deer a little bit. Didn't have any luck. Didn't kill him. I saw him twice on the hoof, uh, but to bore you the details, I didn't kill him. And then it, you know, fast forward to after the rifle season of 2019, I knew he made it through. I saw him one day. Yep. So going into my 2020 hunting season, I had three deer in mind. Two of them were at the mountain at my you know main hunting location, but this one was this deer. Right. And I thought, if he does the same thing he does last year, I mean, I'm going to have a hard time not being absolutely consumed by this deer. Right. And I did a lot of work behind my house, and I'll, I'll try not to go into too much detail because I could take a whole podcast up of what I did with that. But I did a lot of work cleaning and setting it up to hunt a one-acre piece. And in the meantime, I got to know my neighbors really well. My neighbor let me hunt their side. So I had all wrapped up a two acre wood lot and it was a funnel between a big bedding thicket and a lot of crop fields in the other end so it's set up really well for deer so going into this season i I had a camera out all year long never had a picture of this buck i'm after and just just to be goofy i guess i'm gonna call this deer goliath um, we didn't know what to call this deer, and he, he ended up turning out to be a giant when I killed him. He was a Goliath, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. It was a, it was a special deer, but I uh, I didn't get a picture of this deer all of 2020 until opening weekend of archery season. So for the first weekend in October, I pulled my camera, and there he was, five o'clock in the morning at my house, and he turned. He blew up into a giant. He he had 13 scoreable points, 
and I mean, he was just a stud. It was I'm I have the tooth to send in. I'm believing he's him to be a five and a half year old deer, but we'll send the tooth in and and find that out. But you know, from then on, once I had his picture and I knew he was in my area, it seemed like his his summer range was elsewhere and his fall range kind of shifted in that I was getting his picture. I, I spent the time hunting him and uh, devised my strategy to just really pay attention that I had the right conditions and when he was coming through, I needed to hunt him. Because one of the biggest things I learned is, you know, watch my camera. And if I was a day late and a dollar short, I wasn't going to have a chance on a one-acre piece like that. So just to, to stop you a little bit, so how many, did you just have one camera on your piece there? Or did you... I, I actually had two. I had uh, one on my place and one on the neighbor's. Yep. Um the, the one on the neighbors, I set that stand up on the ridge between bedding thickets, and I looked at that stand as more of a morning stand because I could get in and slip in before they were back right. to bed yep. and not booger stuff up on the ridge. It's a slightly intrusive stand, but it was it was set up for the morning when I thought he would slip through. And then the yep. stand at my house, my, my place sets up better for the evening because I'm on the bottom side of the ridge, and I, I have a small, you know, I, I call it a food plot, but it's really just something to just keep the deer there right. for a bow shot. Right. Um, a mixed cover crop that I had planted, and I put a water hole in. Yep. So that was more of, you know, my focal attraction. When deer come through, hopefully they're going to come to that, and right. I could get the data I wanted to go after that deer. Yep. So, you know, October, mid-October is when uh, I really started to get a lot of pictures. You know, I had a picture of him the first week, and then it was kind of stagnant, and then it got to mid-October. I want to say the third week of the season. Okay. And he shows up, and he starts showing daylight all the time. And if you remember anything about the last week or the second last week of October, it was hot that yep. week. Yep. And uh, that deer was bedded close. For whatever reason, he, he stayed in that area, and he bedded close. And <clears throat> I was able to capitalize October 23rd, it was. It was Friday after work. Um told my boss i said hey i said i'm going after this deer and he's like yeah go for it man that's a deer of a lifetime and i had seen him the day before when i wasn't hunting when i had uh, pulled in the driveway at my house which was a little bit agonizing he moved through the thicket and uh luckily the next evening i got to, got to put an arrow through him so had you from that first picture beginning of october had you hunted hunted him at all just say up until mid-october how many like how many sits did you put in there you pretty much just watching your cameras at that point so i had in total of sits for my entire hunting season until i shot my buck that was my eighth sit but it was my second sit i specifically hunted him right so keep in mind i had two other deer that i was after at uh my other piece and i would have been glad to kill either one of them my uncle killed one opening night so i was down to one right Uh, my uncle killed a a bruiser of a deer uh ended up being in like the low 150s it was a fantastic hunt fantastic experience but that was down to pretty much one deer that i knew of on that property so i did hunt that deer because we had daylight pictures of him we had the wind set up at a couple times so i had sat for him but my buck i killed i only sat uh two times for him the first time i sat for him was open the first week when i got his picture um i decided i had the wind i was gonna hunt him and didn't see him i saw a bunch of doe that morning um he'd cruise through but um you know just before daylight yep so then i just sat back and watched my cameras um and then the next time when i had a string of pictures that, that were more consistent the next time i went in I, I ended up killing him i see very good so um 
And that was an afternoon, correct? Yeah, that was an afternoon. Uh, that was it was been the time of year it would have been you know before daylight savings changed. So I think I killed him by like quarter after six. And if I remember right, that was what October twenty third. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of guys are still thinking, you know, that's plenty, plenty early, you know, to be getting a mature buck like that on his feet, basically in a food source. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to go into a little more detail of of, of you actually killing him there, but <clears throat> I mean, so just uh, just the fact that you know you got a big buck like that. Obviously, you're very close to his bedding, but what do you think made him get up in daylight so early like that? Because I remember the day. I remember that day. And you text me that picture that night. I was like, man, it was hot that day. It was what 75, 80. <laughs> oh degrees. yeah, it was 75, 80 degrees. If you would have told me you're going in there. After that deer, I would have been like, "Oh man, I'd probably wait for you know another day or two because I think it was supposed to cool off, right?" It was next uh, weekend. We had a front. Yeah, it would have been leading like, up to Halloween. Yeah, we had a we had a, a front come through. Yep. So and, and I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, it's one of those where I only went after the deer because of the information I had. So when you look at 2019, when I had pictures of that deer. All my pictures were in fall, and they were in daylight. And I, I think one of the things, and it was nothing I did, it was just truly the fact of the matter, I bought a place that just fit into a, a home range of a deer that spent time daylight. But right. there's so you know, there's no gun hunting immediately where I'm at. Yep. So it's all thickets around suburbs, and it borders a lot of crop ground. So there's very minimal amount of activity and, 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 you know, gun activity, so to speak. Right. So there's a little bit of archery hunting, but not even a lot. Yeah. Uh, none of my neighbors around me are hunting anymore. Um, I see. My neighbor to my, that now allows me to hunt, used to hunt, shot some deer with a bow. Yeah, okay. He's getting up in age, and, you know, I got to know him. He's like, man, you should hunt back here. Okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, truly, I mean, for, let's face it, for a deer to get to that age class, yeah. let's say four, five, six years of age, they got to have security. And that deer obviously had security to lay because where he was laying, um, the first time I ever jumped him, he was laying right behind my house in this thicket of, you know, mostly, you know, multiflora rose, but there's, you know, some green briar and some, some better beneficial species, you know, briars and brambles from these dead ash trees yep. that he laid in and felt secure. But there was a couple little pockets that were within 150 to 200 yards of my property that he laid on. And yeah. I, you know, for a deer to move in daylight hours with that kind of weather, you knew he had to be close. Yeah. Um, so you got a picture of him that morning, correct? Yeah. So I had a picture of him the so day walk before. Us through, yeah, go ahead. Start the day before and walk us through that day and your hunt. Yeah. I had a picture of him the night before. So it was the 22nd. I was working a little bit longer and I pulled in the driveway at, you know, quarter six in the evening and there he was up on the hill. And kind of a little bit disgusted that yeah. he, that he was there. It was seventy five, eighty degrees, and, and that was right before dark. I mean, yeah, it was. It was, it was. It was probably a half hour until quitting okay. time. Yep. At that point, when I saw him, and a uh, little disgusted, so I decided I got to hunt him. He's here. That was the second picture that week I had him. I had one picture earlier in the week, right at quitting time. But the twenty second, I had just a plethora of pictures on my property of him. Okay. And the next morning I got up to go hunt that deer and it was just hot, miserable. And the thermal was just not in your favor because yeah. it wasn't cool. And right. the, the wind was south and it was just pulling up the hill. And my stand I set up, again, keep in mind, I set my property up with uh, the bottom of the ridge being my evening location. I was going to go in and hunt 
that location because he had spent some more time there than I thought he would. But anyway, I'm standing in my driveway deciding if I want to go for this deer and it's wind is just not cooperating and it's getting close. I'm like, I cannot go in and bump this deer out. It's such a small area I'm hunting. If I bump him out, I'm screwed. This is that morning. Exactly. It's, it's that morning, the 23rd, I was going to hunt and I just decided I'm not doing it. I can't do it. The conditions aren't right. I'm going to bump this deer out. And I backed out, went in my house and right before daylight, boom, I had a picture of him. And I was (laughs) like, you gotta be kidding me. But I thought it's going to be 80 degrees today. If he came to get a drink of water on my place and it's right before daylight, he's yep. not going to move real far right. to go right. to his bed. Yep. And I thought, if he's bedded close, there's a good chance he's going to come back to water this evening. Yep. And sure enough, he did. Um, so I I had a, a, I wouldn't say the wrong wind. I had a marginal wind that night. It was uh, kind of cutting hairs with the bedding area I suspected him to come out of. Yep. But it worked out because he kind of went a roundabout way to come into me, a little closer than I expected. But he showed up after a group of doe had come through, and he marched himself right into 20 yards at the water hole. And, you know, it's crazy to think a little, you know, I was basically hunting uh, half to three-quarters of an acre of woods. Never made it off that when I shot him, so I was pleased with that. So, yeah, it it was a combination of just... You know, dumb luck buying a place that had a deer <laughs> yeah. with that caliber because after I, I just got the deer officially scored, he ended up grossing 170. Wow. Um, he was just a, a absolute tremendous deer of a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, it was it was a culmination of having some luck, but I did put a lot of work in, and I, I was utilizing the information I had from the past of when he was there in daylight hours, which you listen to a lot of guys. You know, I've listened to Mark Drury and a lot of other people who have experience with daylight. And I've had the ple- the, the privilege to experience that myself, chasing yeah. deer four or five years of age. You know, you see them in one location one year, and they make it through. They're doing something real similar that yeah. next year. And that's yep. what I experienced with this deer. Yeah. Yeah, that is super interesting. I, I had some of the same experiences this year, not with the deer I killed, but hopefully with the deer I'll kill next year. Exactly. We'll, uh, we'll get to that because that's, yeah. that's a good story, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. I was thinking about it. Um, I think I, I only know of probably two or three other guys, you know, no personally that have killed, you know, gross booners in Pennsylvania. It's just, (laughs) it's unheard of. And to kill one, you know, on two acres, it's just, yeah, it's pretty wild. But there again, I think it, you know, you brought up a good point of, you know, him betting so close and living so close. And I, you almost have to wonder, I mean, we'll never know, but a deer like that, do you think he was just a lot more of a, like, do you think his, his core range was just a lot smaller? I mean, it's hard to say, but maybe some of that had to do with his age, too. You know, they say a lot of times an older buck will, you know, his range will shrink. And I guess, you know, this was still mid to, ah, toward the end of October. He wasn't really traveling a lot yet. But, uh, yeah, that, just the... the the idea that you can, you know, pattern one and kill one on, you know, basically two acres is, is pretty wild. It is. And, you know, the the whole home range thing is an interesting conversation. And, again, that's a whole other podcast. But yep. the thing I've learned and really been able to, to hone in on, I think, is, you know, deer have, you know, a, a lot of Pennsylvania data shows that with the research that they've done that deer will have a two to three mile home range. Yep. And that's true. Uh, there's no denying that data. But 
a deer is doing a lot of, especially a buck like this, is doing a lot of that activity at night. Yep. He's doing it under the cover of darkness, and you're not getting the full picture from that data. Right. For a deer to get to that age class, especially in a state like Pennsylvania where you've got so much hunting pressure, and it's hard for a deer to get past his first and second birthday. Yeah. Yep. They know where they're secure. And in daylight hours, they're not moving far where they're secure. Right. And I just happened to buy a place that <laughs> a deer was able to have a fall range in a portion of his time yeah. that he, he called home and was sa- felt secure moving in. Because, right. I mean, there was days where he was almost an hour before quitting time, he was moving. Yeah. But he was secure there. And that's the biggest thing. You can have, you know, you don't have to have a huge chunk of piece, you know, a chunk of property to yep. own. If you've got security in that for daylight hours, that's all we need. Right. You know, let them do their home range at nighttime. Let them go to the neighbors. Because that deer I killed, everybody tells me they knew that deer. Right. Now, whether or not they're giving me stories is another thing. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of people say they knew about that deer. Right. But he's felt secure, and that's the that was the key for me. And I wanted to make sure I didn't hunt him too aggressive, and I kept him secure. But, you know, I wanted him to continue to have that illusion of security and capitalize when the iron was was hot yeah you know when it got to the rut he wasn't there in 2019 yeah Um, right but there was a portion of mostly october and then in the post rut uh looking into the the late season after christmas where i had pictures of that deer and it just it just all worked out you know there was a lot of luck involved but i i I put a lot of time watching that deer and and a lot of habitat work on a small piece just to have enough attraction to have a deer come through in bow range like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help but feel bad for your neighbors. You know, the new guy <laughs> buys a house, moves into the neighborhood, and kills the big buck. Well, to be honest with you, I don't know how many people know I killed this deer. I had I had a couple neighbors telling me that about this deer before I killed him, and yep. I knew him. Right. I don't know how many people know I killed this deer, and I was purposely keeping that on down low. So if any of my neighbors are listening to this, sorry, he gone. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, one question I did have, and I'm curious to see what you think, and and you'll be able to find this out at some point, but it'll be very interesting to know, like, if another big buck moves back into his space now that he's not there. I mean, obviously, if you got a big buck like that living there in such such a small area, there's probably not going to be a lot of other mature bucks that are, you know, calling that specific couple little pieces of property home just because he's there. It'll be really interesting to see now. Um, if that, you know, if that, did you notice anything after that, like the rut, um, you know, to late season had anything moved in last year at all? Yeah. I had some pictures of some other buck. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Um, nothing as consistent as him. Um, I had deer come that I saw on a regular basis cruise through, Yep. but nothing that I can honestly say has filled in that void to to something I'm noticing. Um, right. But I, I do believe that with the security that's there, as long as that security is maintained, that the, you know, the 10-acre woodlot here and the 2-acre woodlot there, as long as nothing majorly changes in that my area, I do feel there's a great potential for, you know, a deer to come through and have a similar pattern. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to see them all get to four or five years of right. age and express all that genetic potential like right. this giant did. Yep. But um, I, I had plenty of other deer in daylight hours that 
should they have made it through, which I haven't had many late season here after the fact, but should some of those deer make it through, I'm confident we'll, we'll have hunting there for the future, hopefully yeah. to the a, a type of deer I'm looking to kill. Right, right. Yeah, no doubt about it. It probably will go a while till you have one quite that big. At least that <laughs> would be ever. my guess. But hopefully you got some suns running around out there. But, uh, yeah, well, cool deal. That was, yeah, I, was, I knew you were after that deer. And when I got that picture, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> I know for me, it rarely ever seems to work out like that. Well, it doesn't but, either. That was one of the times where I drew everything in my head the way I wanted it to happen. And it yeah, did. So. Yeah. It's like, thank goodness, one time yeah. <laughs> I can get ahead and feel like I did something. Because yeah. <laughs> we all know how much they can be eluding us throughout most of the hunting season. Yeah, right. Yeah, it doesn't take long till you feel like you're chasing your tail. But it is good to have it work out every once in a while like that. So, well, is that uh, pretty much wrap up your season then? That pretty much wraps up my season. We go into kind of what I'm doing here to, to pursue 2021. Yep. So... The, the, for us, the job never ends where we're hunting at the, the main property I hunt. Um, we've got 280 acres, and it's a completely wooded property. It's got a lot of topography features, so it holds deer in respect to the topography. But you know, any of you who have a wooded piece of property, you know that if you want to have early succession and have a lot of diversity other than just big woods, yep. large canopies, there's a lot of work. There's a yep. lot of chainsaw work. So we've we've narrowed down a lot of locations that we want to improve bedding. We'd like to improve the overall structure of side cover from cutting trees and try to get some forbs, some brush, some shrubs, a lot of diverse regeneration that's holding deer in the season because while we have, you know, six acres of food plots right now and we're looking to try to figure out where we can improve that and whether it's more acres or just fine tuning that. We don't necessarily rely on that for holding the deer, in yep. my mind. It's it's the attraction that keeps the deer moving in the afternoon. Right. And it's part of our hunting strategy, but one of the best things that we're doing is chainsaw. So there, there's a lot of locations that we figured that we need to improve the bedding structure close to those food sources um, what i mean by that is a lot of edge feathering in some places because i do want to have more screening at a lot of those food sources and i want to make sure that we can get a layering effect of bedding because yep. we've seen a pattern of getting uh the doe groups to low very lay very closely to those food sources and that's really set up the foundation for where we see more mature buck so on that 280 acres or whatever you got there this this mountain ground piece <clears throat> that your family has um you said about six acres of plots is that pretty much six plots or i mean these are these are pretty small plots like what's your biggest yeah i think the biggest one's a little over an acre yeah so, so most of them are, so, are anywhere from a quarter half acre to an acre right so you know keep in mind these plots are they feeding deer yeah, slightly, yep. but they're really not designed to feed deer, and right. I think that should be a note to all of us that your goal should not be to make a food plot that's going to you know, 
promote this healthy deer and all these things. Deer didn't, deer didn't need your food plots before we were making them. Right, right. Food plots are a fantastic way to get deer to stay on your property in daylight if you hunt smart. Yeah. And that's our strategy. We have a lot more potential because when it gets to December, a lot of our food plots are lip high because we have a pretty high deer density. Yep. So maintaining that we have more food is important, but you know, not just food plots, you know, food plots are a great hunting strategy for us, but we need to have more food in the fact of fall food, fall cover, a lot more woody brows and shrub tips, a lot more regeneration, you know, five feet and under. So that's one of the biggest strategies is making sure that we have food. It's a diversity of food and we can lay that out that we can have room for as many mature buck as possible yeah. because, Hey, while it's fun to, to key in on one deer, any of you that have hunted one specific deer, you will drive yourself mad. And I would much rather go to a stand and think, man, if I set this up with the right wind, I'm going to be on the backside of this bedding area that leads to food this evening. And I could have this buck, this buck, this buck, this buck come through. Any of you have experienced that, that is an incredible feeling to have. Right, right. Yeah, and that's something you can, I mean, obviously it takes it takes time and effort, but it's something you can do, you know you just proved you can you can improve a two acre property or you know obviously a 280 acre property takes a lot longer a lot you know, your plan is a lot, over a lot more bigger of a time frame whatever your focus is when you're going to plan your hunting season out whether you're hunting private ground or whether you're hunting public ground if you are dedicated like Devon and I and you want to try to uh, you know approach deer that are mature and i'm going to say mature right now being four and a half years age of older which is really what we're trying to do yep. um yes five and a half is is physically mature but four and a half year old deer is a great deer yeah. but anyway if you want to do that you're going to put in work regardless right. if you've got private ground in my opinion it's you're you're hard pressed not to do habitat work to incre increase your diversity on your property and the overall huntability of it likewise you're going to be doing all kinds of work to try to find the same features on public land you know if you're going to be hunting public land this year which i plan to because while my off season with this uh, snow and the inability to go out and really put boots to the ground with some of the new locations I wanted to and have a good sense of what was going on last fall. One of my goals in 2021 is to spend more time on public land because yep. um, let's face it, I, I've had a privilege of hunting some great deer on public land. Um, I just want to try to hone my skills. Yeah. You know, I have the sense of I can I can fall back and hunt with my friends and family and hunt a good place, uh, weather permitting, or right. if something shows up that I want to hunt. But if I really want to hone my skills and my beliefs of how this property lays out, if I can go find that on public land, that's all to do better. Right, right. So you talked about uh, getting into your, your postseason a little bit. <clears throat> You're going to be doing some chainsawing. You normally, what, start that? february march about green up then you figure you're done yeah roughly i mean once the season closes you know and our cl season closes for us here um for me it's closing in the end of january because i'm i do enjoy taking the flintlock and the bow out in the yep. late season so once that season closes i mean the first thing we did this year was really walk around in some of the areas that we haven't been in since last year at this time and kind of seeing how those deer were using them where is there room for improvement what did well what didn't work well and kind of reevaluate our season and go from there to say okay this is the area of the property that we really need to improve 
overall bedding quality. We need to improve the screening to have a better layering effect of pot pudding deer. And what I mean by that is, you know, layering from food to the first bedding setup to maybe a staging area to another bedding area, the backside of an area you might expect a buck to bed, whatever that looks like. But a lot of the issues that we see is just trying to make, make maximize early succession and get a lot of that canopy out of the ground. We've got some areas that are old chop-offs that need to be taken care of and some wood. So when I look at what I'm doing this time of year when there's snow cover and, you know, I'm not going to be putting boots to the ground on new places, I think it's a perfect time because you can see it as in in its naked self and really put, you know, a lot of time in with a chainsaw and laying out a foundation of side cover and even if it's in the form of hinge cuts or flush cuts or whatever that looks like, just getting getting yep. trees on the ground yep that's that's so important so we're going to be uh continuing to do that from a couple locations basically from food plots out to inc- improve thick bedding close to those and it moves into the rest of the part of the season i'm going to be looking at how we're going to maintain food plots and how we're going to be maintaining trail camera strategies but really when you look at the private land side of things for me i'm going to be doing a lot of cutting we have some locations picked where we wouldn't mind putting another food plot in. Yep. Uh, takes a lot of time in and of itself with a dozer and, and the loader and getting you're trees dealing out. With pretty much strictly mountain ground as well. Yeah, keep in mind, it's all wooded. So any food plot, you know, I don't have any old field restoration or nothing like that. It's all high log timber value stuff. Yep. And, you know, you want a food plot, doze it out. Yeah, um, right. Which we've done a lot of, but one of the things we've, we've really uh, – I don't want to say neglected, just one of the things we didn't get around to and should have is really edge feathering. And what I mean by edge feathering is cutting a lot of those trees at the edge and getting more sunlight so you have less competition to your food plot, but you're also creating a lot of side cover and getting deer to lay there as close as possible. Create browse, create an attraction so high that they want to go that. Now, whether you hunt over that food plot or whether you're hunting to and from that food plot is, is your decision. Right. We have stands that set up for that. But And the, the next part with this with this thing is really looking to see where can we fine-tune some of our stands. You know, this property sets up mostly best for the evening. So we're trying to figure out in some of the locations, where can we set up better for our morning stand? Right. How can we set up? So a lot of uh, prepping for stand locations specifically re- related to the property and the overall outlook there. So that's kind of what I'm looking at right now in the first you know, first part of the year to green up. Yep. You know, that's really my strategy of, you know, we have a lot of that background knowledge of how deer are utilizing the property. Now it comes down to fine tuning and just right. continuing to have as much potential for a mature buck to stay there in daylight. Right. So we've come a long way. We've, we've killed some great deer and, and there's always room for improvement in my mind in that yeah. respect. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you if you have a property where you have you know exclusive you can do whatever you want to it i mean the work never really never really ends there's always something you can do to improve it and it's all interesting you know and to think about i think a lot of people you know have this mindset well they have this property they hunt or their property they hunt and it is what it is and you know some years there's deer there some years there's not you know and 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 some sometimes that will be the case even with a very well set up property and, and you do a whole lot of work. Sometimes it, it does seem like you aren't really getting what you put into it out of it. But I think just that mindset where, hey, you know what, we have this property here. 
the sky's the limit when it comes to improvements, really. Absolutely. Um, you just, you know, see what works, and, and uh, there's a lot of information out there if you want to put yourself, um, you know, make yourself busy. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that, I mean, I look forward to doing any chance I get is to help them with the knowledge that we've put in. You know, I have the privilege of not only doing that, but, you know, being an agronomist, you right. know, have a lot of background knowledge of, of food plots and yep. and how those connect. So I've, I've been really privileged, and I think that's a great help for people. So aside from the private land work, you know, when it gets to uh, you know, getting snow out of the ground, I'll, I'll be spending some time walking around at some of the public land areas I hunt, which I didn't get into at all, and I don't have time for, but I really plan to spend some boots on the ground and kind of fine-tune some of those locations yeah. and i think that's going to really give us a, a great transition into how your season looked last year right because um you know <clears throat> i spent a lot of time private ground and, and you i think you got a, a pretty good private farm to hunt but you yeah. weren't kind of seeing what you were seeing so you kind of shifted gear so kind of tell us a little about some of your target areas and what 2020 looked like for you yeah sure sure so yeah, I guess I'll back up to summer of 2020. Um, I guess back up even first of all. So our family has a farm in Fulton County, which is west of here, about 100 miles. And uh, that's where the last couple of years primarily my main effort has been. That's kind of where we scratch our food plotting, habitat itch kind of. Um, obviously there that's, you know, 100 acres that we can do whatever we want with. So we do food plots there, um, you know, some of the stuff you talked about <clears throat> we're doing there. So leading up into the 2020 season, um, that we had three or four really good bucks there that I was super excited about hunting. Um, but come September, a lot of those bucks kind of went MIA, which isn't super um, surprising. It just seems like you have some of that no matter so you had a bunch of deer you were looking at all year long and it's getting approaching that hunting season they Correct. kind of vanished it seemed like when you know that that velvet got shed they were gone okay. um and i'll get into that one buck this in um, particular that i that i really wanted to target he did show up i believe two more times one the end of september and one beginning of october uh and then yeah vanished never saw him again don't know if he got killed or just uh, yeah don't know so had you put all your eggs into that one basket or what, for the what past else couple doing? years i have um i had a spot down the special regs area as well which uh for anyone not from pennsylvania that's foreign foreign terms probably but there uh we have a, an area down like toward philadelphia um a high density sure. density area there's one out in uh close to pittsburgh as well they call them the special regs area uh, you can get more doe tags for them areas. They start two weeks earlier than the yeah, rest two of weeks. the state. Um, yeah, just different stuff. Like that. They call them special regs areas. So if you hear me referring to my special reg spot, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I did have, I used to have a really good spot down in the special regs area. That spot got sold last spring, so I knew that was out of the cards. Um, the last three years, actually, I killed bucks down my my Pennsylvania buck down there. And so this year I knew it was going to be quite a bit different because I didn't have that go-to spot. And, um, yeah, our farm out there, I, I, I knew I, didn't, I wanted to have another option besides that. So back in turkey season, I had started scouting a piece of public just north of here. I turkey hunted it for years, never deer hunted it at all. Um, so last spring, end of May, I, I had some cameras that I ran there for turkeys, and I just left them there, moved them around a little bit. Check them cameras, I think, for the first time in July. Okay. Sometime, I believe. 
Um, and I had one really good buck on there. I could tell he was going to be really good. He wasn't done growing yet. Got pictures of him all July and about mid-August. Not sure if his, you know, his range changed a little bit or what happened there. He disappeared, so I spread some of my cameras out. Um, there's a couple pretty fresh clear cuts back in there. Um, and we're talking, yeah, a mile or two back in that I'm hiking to get into these spots. <clears throat> they had logged them, I believe, two years ago. So I spread some cameras out, put some cameras around a couple of these clear cuts, and I picked up a bachelor group of bucks. I believe the first time I got pictures of them was in August, which I'm sure they were there all summer. It's just that that's when I moved my cameras in there for the gotcha. first time. Um, and there was, I believe, four or five shooters in that group, which for me, a shooter... Um, especially on public land like that is three and a half or older. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of my, um, yeah, that's my, what I kind of go off of, you know, we'd all like shoot five-year-olds, but <laughs> Hey, a trophy is in the eye of the beholder, man. Yeah. I, just cause I want to shoot something doesn't mean the next person wants to shoot something right. the same, you know, it's just what you're going to. And that's what makes hunting great. That's right. So you had, you had your farm and you had a bachelor group of bucks at the farm and you were tinkering at another private piece but you hadn't had too much information there at that point correct so i actually only picked up this new private piece down in the special regs area in september okay so so, so up until july you had some some bachelor groups at your farm and just tinkering from turkey season you found another group so that was kind of in the back correct. of your pocket there too. so i was like well you know i have these two spots if the you know if some of these bucks move off the farm farm is 100 miles out there so i mean i can't hunt that every day obviously mm -hmm. and this public land spot is a lot closer um so i knew i was going to put some time in there come september i uh picked up another spot down in in the special regs area montgomery county and i drove down there um put a camera out and i kind of rode it off because i saw some signs of some other hunters in there and so, well, I'll kind of keep that one in the back of my mind, just another option. Um, and yeah, it turns out I did end up hunting that some. We'll get into that kind of as we go along. So going into September, I still had um, this, this batch of group of bucks at this public land spot. And so I kind of decided opening weekend, which was October 3, um, first day I'm going in there, the one uh, cutoff or clear cut, right above some private i really felt like the bucks were bedding in there they were coming off the, the private fields from the bottom coming up and bedding in there and i can access from the top so in theory i thought well this should work pretty good i'll sneak in there in the morning hopefully catch them coming back to bed this is october 3 the first day mm -hmm. of the bow season opening morning yes um because yeah at that point the cameras pretty much had went dead out at the farm and I hadn't checked any cameras down in, in the special regs area. Yet. So you had three locations, two were private, and the one was public, and you based your, your hunting detail on where you had seen the best buck at Correct. that point. So yep. you had targeted a couple deer, and then you that's how you chose this public land yep. spot. Yep, So I went in, backing up just a little bit, I went in the week before archery season opened, the last week in September, um, pretty much checked all my cameras, um, besides, yeah, out at the farm and up on the, the, uh, public land spot, those bucks up there at that public land spot, I was still getting quite a bit of daylight activity. So I knew, like I said, I, I was pretty sure I was in their bedroom at that one spot there. And I thought my chances of killing one in there right off the bat would be pretty decent. So that's where I decided to hunt the first morning, 
went in there, ended up seeing them, came very close um, to what I believe was a three-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer. Uh, it turns out they they came in, being I'd never hunted in there before, they actually came in a little different. They came in up further and actually got downwind of me just a little bit. I knew it was going to be marginal. Um, and, yeah, that lead buck, which was the one I, I would have killed, um, he got a little squirrely. They turned around went back in. That was the first day. The following day, Sunday, October 4th, I got a picture from my cell camera out at the farm of that big heavy eight that I was that I, that we had got pictures of all summer out there, and a pretty good front came through that Sunday night. I don't know if you remember that at all or not. Mm-hmm. It rained Absolutely. Sunday night, and it was supposed to be cold and clear Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is October 5th, so second day of the season. So me and my dad went out there to the farm, and I had a pretty good idea where these I'd, we'd gotten pictures of them going out through Sunday night. Pretty good idea how they would come back in through if they came back in Monday morning. Um, so we both set up in there, and turns out we saw all the other group bucks in that bachelor group except the big guy. Um, <laughs> in fact, they all came right past me 20 yards. I mean, everything worked out perfect, just like I'd planned, except the big guy wasn't there. Um, so, I mean, who knows? Where now, had you had past pictures of that deer that you knew him before in the past? Yeah, um, before 2020, I could never quite tell if I recognized him from last year or not. I don't think okay. so. I think it was, I mean, who knows where he was or where he came from. But obviously he isolated himself from the rest of those younger deer. Yeah, yep. And it just, yeah. That ends up being, I believe, the last picture I we ever got of him. Okay. So I don't know if there's a chance he got killed by a neighbor that same morning before the other bucks came in through. I don't know that. Or did he just do like we just talked about earlier? Did it? Did they go and shift the range, part yep. of their, their range? Yep. Could have easy been. I mean, when you think about it, there's a million different things that Absolutely. happen. I mean, you, there again, you, you play it all out in your head, and it, in theory it should work. But then uh, when it don't, then it's just like, well... You know, at the end of the day, they are deer. They do what they want. But, but owning that piece of property, you didn't put your eggs in one basket, so that transitioned over to your private or your your public land. Correct. So the rest of October, I actually did not hunt much because I was really busy in the bow shop here. Um, I checked. I went up there and checked my cameras on the uh, 29th of October, I believe it was. It was a Thursday. It was pouring down rain. It was going to rain all day Thursday, all day Friday. I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to go up there middle of the day, check my cameras. Well, my one camera that I had down in that clear cut that was pretty regular getting pictures of, I went down in there to check that, and I jumped one of the big guys. He was bedded, like, right behind my camera. Mm. Um, Recognized him right away. He heard me coming, jumped up a couple bounds, and then just walked off. He never smelled me, so I didn't feel like I boogered it too bad. Plus, it was pouring down rain. So I checked that camera, and lo and behold, them bucks were in front of that camera for the last week. Like, probably from, like, I think the first picture I got in daylight again after that first weekend was, like, the 15th. And from the 15th to the 28th, it was, like, every day they were in there Mm. in daylight. And I was just like, man, why did I write this spot off? Like, I should have, they, I knew they were betting close. It should have been a spot. I thought in my head that, hey, I'm in right tight to their bedding probably a spot i could kill one in daylight during the october lull when nothing moves you know um but uh so anyways that was thursday i went in there friday saw that big guy again 
you think that was yeah and then i could not hunt saturday went back in there monday and tuesday and did not see him and i kind of felt like at that point we had that one that big cold front that weekend at that point they kind of i think they really split up at that point um because i i would get kind of a random picture of one or two um but nothing regular and i I just think up until that point they were extremely killable, and then they started. You know, that's the time of year when they're starting to go so, all over the place. So make sure I, I follow you. So you kind of had a mindset of I'm going to go in there, and kind of seems like you didn't really bust right in right away. Right. Okay. I went in slow, and yeah. Now looking back, I mean, what I know now, uh, I've been in there after the you know after the season here a couple weeks, month ago, and and I have pretty good idea what they were doing that whole time. Looking back now, I should have just went in a little more aggressive right off the bat. Sure, but you'd kind of went in at a, a more conservative approach. You know, kind of, you know, we talked Hunt about that a lot in. and hunted yep. our way in. Yep. And uh, you kind of backed out a little bit when you bumped that buck a little bit, Correct. right? Correct. So, so, you know, go from there, how, how that transitioned into how you ended up killing yours. Yeah, so we're now in first week of November. Um <clears throat> I'd hunted that kind of last week of October, beginning of November there on that public land spot. Kind of felt like I was almost burning it out at that point. I just, I want to change the scenery, so I drove down, hunted my um, special reg spot, and ended up seeing a very good buck down there. I believe that was the 8th of November. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, should have killed him by all means. I'd never had pictures of them before. It was my first time in there. I basically just went in there to check the camera that morning. Sure. And, uh, yeah, happened to see a really good one. Messed up on him. Um, actually hit a twig and shot right over his back. And uh, I did end up shooting a doe. I, I sat all day down there that day just because I was, felt like I was right in the heart of a bunch of rutting activity. There were deer running all over the place that day. And uh, I shot a doe at lunchtime drug her out got back in my stand and once you know it i had that big guy that i'd missed first thing in the morning dog a doe right past me again about 1 30 in the afternoon um i did not get a shot at him he was just out of range but i was like all right this guy's in here he's on a doe i'm gonna hunt the next couple days here um see if i can't lay eyes on him again and i never did mm. never saw him again i got a picture of him like three days later in the middle of the night I think it was just one of those deals where there was a hot doe in there and I just happened to be at the right spot. Absolutely. So that ate up some of the second week of, of November. Um, the third week of November, which this year we got an extra week on our Pennsylvania bow season. Yeah, we did finally. Yeah, yeah, finally we actually got to hunt some of the good stuff. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, but anyway, I put some more time up, up in my public land spot, and uh, I believe it was the, um, mm, let me think here the 16th of november Mm -hmm. i went up there it was an an afternoon got up there pretty early i was like well i'm going to uh check a camera on the way in and sit till dark see what i see well i'm checking this camera i'm kneeling down at my camera i carry a card reader along with me right 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 card out look the picture stick it back in and this is like one o'clock in the afternoon I hear something behind me, I turn around, and there's that big eight that I had seen, had close encounters with like three or four other times earlier, standing there with a the doe like 20 yards right behind me, looking right at me. 
I think it just happened there once again. I was at the right spot at the right time. He chased the doe past me. And she had seen me. She was mm. locked on him. And he, he, I don't think he had any idea what was going on. But, uh, of course, I had my bow laying off to the side. So I reached for that. And, yeah, then the gig was up. But, yeah. uh, man, that was like, I think I might have told you the same thing. I was like, man, you know, you figure, at least I always did, you figure you get one good crack at a buck a year. You put your time in. For me, it always has been. If you, you know, hunt hard, you get one one good opportunity at a shooter. Not every year. Especially with the bow. Right. Um, so here I'm at, what, five, six different times with this one deer, and it's like, well, that's probably the last one I'm going to get because, I mean, how many more can, right. you, can you expect getting, you know? Uh, but anyway, that was kind of a heartbreaker, but I did not see that deer again in fact i never got pictures of that deer again after that i kind of wonder if somebody killed him the last couple of days of bow season he could as well easily be so you bounced around a lot of your season kind of following what your what your your cameras Correct. and cell camera had seen yeah and that's how you had focused in and you, you had some good opportunities but just a little bit one one right. step ahead of you like they normally are <laughs> right. most of archery season i should have clarified a little more beginning so i do have Probably about half of my cameras are cell cameras. Okay. So a couple of those times where I knew where something was going on, it was because it was a cell camera. Right. Where I should have had cell cameras, I didn't. Like in the clear cut there, if I would have had a cell camera there and known that big guy was daylighting for a week and week, you know, every day in a row, I would have been in there a lot sooner. But... <laughs> Absolutely. Which disclaimer, everybody, he's going to go into that, what he's going to do different next <laughs> right. year. <laughs> right. But you ended up, you ended up killing spot. a buck then, not? I did, yeah. So uh, our gun season starts a Saturday after Thanksgiving. And I decided, normally, I haven't had a buck tag, actually, in gun season since 2016. Um, but normally, I would have went out to our farm. But I was like, you know what? I had such, I, I know there were so many different shooter bucks in this public piece, and I had so many close calls. I'm just going to give it a whirl. I have no idea what the hunting pressure in there is like. You know, everybody says, you know, public land, Pennsylvania, it's, you know, pumpkin patch. And there is places where it is like that absolutely i I think we all know that yeah i felt like i was going back in far enough that i could hopefully get away from some of that sure um and i did i actually was very surprised i did not run into many guys back there at all but the first day i got to the parking lot i believe 3 30 so basically three hours before light give or take there was one guy there already he was going the opposite directions i was feeling good i Took, even took my deer cart. I was like, boy, I'm probably jinxing myself here. But <laughs> I took my deer cart and all my stuff on it and hiked back there. Um, got in, yeah, probably an hour and a half. I was up in my stand an hour and a half before uh, light. And uh, I could kind of see down into private, the private land. So I'm a couple hundred yards away, but I'm in a clear cut. So there's no, you know... There's not a ton of trees in between me and the private. Um, I could see a, uh, a headlight came up right before light from the private. And so I was like, well, there is a guy sort of in between me and uh, where I expect the deer to come from. Hopefully it all works out. Um, I saw a small buck and a couple doe came out <clears throat> or came up through. I figured probably got bumped out of the private. They were coming into the thick stuff there. And that was kind of my idea. I was in the thick, uh, you know, the thick, uh, the cutoff that they had long. You were in the heart of the chop off. Yes. Pretty much where you'd seen a lot of that activity in our season. You dove in. With any kind of pressure, this is where the deer should want to be. Absolutely. Um, 
So yeah, I'm sitting there. It's about 9:30. I seen a big doe come ripping out across. Um, she kind of came out of the corner of the private and the next uh, older clear cut right beside me. And yeah, right behind her was a pretty good deer. I got my gun up and I could tell right away it was one that was good enough for me. So uh, yeah, ended up taking him. Was super happy. I. He's either a three or four year old. I'm not sure. But, Absolutely, but, but uh, it was a trophy, nevertheless. I mean, you put your time in, and that was a dandy buck. Yeah, it felt super good. Like I've killed, you know, quite a few decent deer. I've gotten really lucky over the years. Um, and but, he's being modest. He's put a lot of time in to shoot some good deer, so he is being modest. Um, I really felt like this one probably felt better than a lot of others did. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I felt like I really figured that piece out. Yeah, it took me till gun season, but it was like, finally, kind of like you, a confirmation, like, you know what, I actually, they did what I thought they were going to do. Exactly. And I capitalized on it. And yeah, I realized it doesn't near often ha- always happen that way. And a lot of other factors can play into that, but. Yeah, it was a lot of work and a lot of time invested. I mean, we went back and forth talking about our seasons all year and what's working, what's not. And, you know, to finally come to that high that we finally, you know, killed the deer we were after in whatever situation that looked like was great. So, you know, you bounced around for a lot of places to find and narrow down where you were going to kill. So you you look back and what you're going to go into 2021 doing, you know, what 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 was one of the biggest things you learned in 2020 hunting season? Well, I think probably <clears throat> probably one of the biggest things I learned on specifically the public land piece there that I was hunting is when you have a deer, you know, pattern pretty good, he's doing something pretty regular. I, I know there's times for hunting your way in, and I know there's times for being aggressive and just going to the killing tree right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like I probably would have killed that buck the first day if I would have been where I should have been. Sure. Even, you know, that time I hunted in November, sort of the same deal. I hung back a little bit because I hadn't been in there for a couple weeks. Um, you know, I could see down in there, and, yeah, I, I should have been the tree where I knew that I should have been. It was just, well, I hunt, you know, hunt back a little bit. You know, you kind of have this in the back of your mind where you don't want to, you know, go blazing in there and, and blow, blow the first time. But at the same time... You know, looking back, I think I probably left that one slip through my fingers. Um, There's a lot of different strategies to be successful in kill buck. You know, I always think to my season, my season's a marathon, not a sprint, and I'm going to hunt the fringes and hunt the edges. But keep in context, a lot of the places I just talked about earlier was private land, and you're talking public land. You're talking a place that anybody can go in at any time and booger it up. Yep. So, I mean, you you did well, and you didn't really have that issue with people messing you up, but you learned that you probably could have went in and killed one of those deer you were after a little bit sooner, right? knowing what you know now. Right, exactly. And, you know, some of that is just the learning curve that that you have with anywhere. I mean, um, there's a bit of a process that you got to learn what works the best and whatnot. But going into this season, I kind of... Well, I have a pretty good idea what deer are doing in that area now. Yeah, so you had that bachelor group of bucks you talked about in the summertime. Did any yep. of those make it through? Yeah, I think there is at least, for, there's for sure two that are still alive. Um, there's one buck that I've been getting pictures on my cell camera pretty regular. It's a big-bodied shed buck, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's one of them. Uh, and there's another one in there, too, that as of like the week after Christmas, he was still alive. So I know there's going to be some good ones in there again. I do know of... Uh, a couple others that did get killed in there as well but 
Um, I think there'll be some, some, a couple that are good enough to go after next year. And th- though I don't want to, you know, put all my eggs in, in that one basket because all it takes is, you know, a couple other guys to figure the same thing out that I did this year and be in there next year, you know, it, well, I might have to bounce to the next spot. But uh, I do plan to definitely hunt that harder. I mean, I kind of went into this season, basically it was just going to be a backup spot that I was going to hunt when I was bored of hunting my other spots. Sure. And it pretty quickly turned into my primary spot, really. That just goes to show you how many places there are in Pennsylvania like that, where it's a public land piece, and if you put your time in like Devon did, and you get back where people aren't going. I mean, keep in mind, you know, you you didn't see a soul back there, but yep. that, that that place wasn't void of hunting pressure, was right. it? No, no. Um, I was going to touch on that. So when I drug my buck out that day, first day of gun season, I think there was eight vehicles at the parking lot, and you know. But, you know, the interesting thing about it is I've probably seen that many guys sitting right beside the trail. So, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's – put your time in. I mean, get off the trail and, and get away from people. And, and the opportunities there, I mean, you can – yeah, there was a, a, definitely a certain element of luck that played into to the buck that I killed as well. But I really think look outside the box a little bit and uh, put your work in, especially in the off season. and there's a good chance it'll pay off for you. At least you'll feel better about it. So you're running cameras up there this year, and you're going to continue to do that as and kind of approach that similar to the way you did in 2020, but with the mindset of, you know, you had some trees. I mean, I think one of the things we talked about at one point throughout the year was your struggle to find that perfect sit for those morning hunts. Right. You, you, you dredge in there in the dark. You know, you've got your equipment. Keep in mind, you know, he, Devon has no stand set. And it wasn't like me where I had a lot of stands prepped. Yep. You know, he went in. He's, he, he has his sticks. He's got a saddle he's hunting out of. And he running gunned every tree he picked and you didn't really have a lot of trees picked out for those no and that was another thing looking back that was definitely um a mistake on my part like i should have went in there before the season while you can't do any trimming or anything on public land at least picked and marked a couple trees that um it makes it a whole lot easier going in there in the dark it's like okay um which one of the you know 20 yards that most of the the times I've seen that big guy, I was basically 20 yards out of the game. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, 20 yards is a make or break it deal. With the um, bow for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that's something I definitely want to do. Um, like, like we talked about earlier, once the snow melts, I want to put boots on the ground. Shed hunting slash scouting. I never did that up there. Like, I really only started looking at that piece after turkey season last year. So, I feel like there's a lot of area that I have no idea even what it looks like. Um because, yeah, till last year, till I decided that this was a piece I really wanted to concentrate on, I felt like it was too close to the season. I couldn't really just go plowing around in there. Um, but you learned a lot about that piece this year, and I think one of the biggest things you're, you're going you're gonna to continue to tweak, is there any way to access a certain location or a, a tree differently yep. for your advantage? Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the aggressive strategy, I think, is something to take away note on. I mean, there's more than one way to kill these mature deer. Right. But you definitely learned that. If you get in and if you bump it up, that was a pretty big piece of ground, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you thousand acres. Yeah, so you learn a piece like that with a lot of chop-offs. And yep. let's say you go in there and you do mess that one spot up, that deer you were after. Yep. But you start learning another piece. You, you've got the ability to go in and start fresh on a new piece like that, right? Right, yeah. And that was another thing I was going to mention. So while this piece is, like I said, a couple thousand acres, I was basically focusing on 
uh, 40-acre clear-cut. And, you know, another 500 yards, there's another 40-acre clear-cut. Beyond that, there's another clear-cut. Beyond that, there's another one. I mean, really, I could have 10 different spots within a spot, really. Absolutely. And so when you have that mindset, too, then it's then it uh, helps you be like – it helps you be a little more aggressive because if you know if you you know have a couple spots picked out on the next clear cut and the next one you know you can you can hunt the first one a little more aggressive and if you booger it while that one settles you hunt the next one so let me ask you this if we angle it this way so you went in you kind of hunted the fringes and you kind of were a little on the conservative side now we talked about it you know going to 2021 you know that better you might go a little bit more aggressive in there now let's say you would do that and you would mess it up. How would you approach anything differently if you were going to go to a new chop off? Like you, you know, if you had to repeat 2020 in this coming hunting season at a new chop off, would you do something different? How would you approach that? So one thing I did learn. So this, this chop off, this clear cut that I was hunting, the deer pretty much coming from one direction. Whereas if I move to another clear cut, I'm not exactly sure, you know, where they're coming from there. One thing I really did notice is, Deer take the path of least resistance. They'll do that anywhere. Absolutely. But in that clear cut, they would pick through the most open area of it. Um, I'm not saying in the rut, a buck's not going to run the doe into the thickest of thick stuff. But I think what, what I from what I saw, you know, they were coming in and basically picking their way through the easiest walking. And so if you look at it like that, sometimes it's hard to find that in a clear cut especially if you're in there after green up in the spring or what or in the summer or whatever it's everything looks thick but uh going back in this time of year you can find those areas and that's probably where the deer are going to move through there um so that's probably you know without having any hunting experience that's probably what i'm going to look at um a new clear cut that i've never been in before probably just try to find some more open areas that the deer that looks like the deer move through will use to move through um so you you would hunt you would still hunt that edge and use the wind to your advantage on the you know hunt the downwind side of those openings but you, you're one thing you learn I, th- I think you just said is you know once you see what those deer are doing yep. you're not going to keep flirting with that edge you're going to dive in and go right. after them after that yep yep because i think they feel pretty pretty safe in there a lot of these clear cuts especially at the edges are super super thick i mean it's hard to get in there but then you know, some of them, especially these that are, have only been cut, you know, two, three, four years, you get into some of the centers of them, it opens up a little more, and the deer, the deer are comfortable in there. Like, I saw a lot of daytime movement, whereas if this was mature timber, the deer would have never been up and moving, you know. Well, sure, and I think that just goes to show you when we talk about diversity earlier, you know, these chop-offs are creating a lot of diversity, and there's you, you can't see very high, very well at ground level. Yep. But that's giving those deer that security to Absolutely. move around in that. So you getting above, you can go in and make a game plan. So right. I think this just goes to show that regardless of where you hunt or how, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. You know, I think we get these cookie-cutter mindsets of how you can go after a mature deer. Yep. And that's just not the case. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with looking at a private piece and saying, I'm going to treat this like a marathon and I'm not going to mess this up because I might get one shot this deer and I need to pounce at the right time. And flip that around, you know, you didn't have the the fantastic luxury I did of having a couple deer that were daylight and mature that you wanted to shoot. Uh, You bounced around a lot to find the deer that you were willing to target and then you, you really focused in on that and uh 
freelancing around is one of those things that a lot of, I think a lot of archery hunters, especially, but a lot of, you know, dedicated people think is, you know, not the way to do it. It's, it's too intrusive. It's too intrusive, but I mean, you just proved it. That's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I think there's a fine line there depending on the situation. It is sometimes better to one or two hunts on the fringes before you dive into the middle. At the end of the day, it's kind of your call. But uh, that's one thing, like I said before, looking back at last season, I, I think I missed several opportunities because I wasn't where I needed to be. But, uh, yeah, it's all part of learning the game and figuring it out, and it's what keeps it fun. It's why we do it. It's why we love it. Absolutely, that's why we love it. So you've got, you're going to have some boots on the ground, some trail camera strategies going in up there and expand upon that public land. I have to ask, now you had some matured bachelor groups out at that farm, what are you looking to do different out at that farm or anything? Um, yeah, that's a good question. And uh, it's something, to be quite honest, I haven't probably given it as much thought as I should have. So this past year we had plenty of food there. That wasn't an issue at all. Um, in our 100 acres we have about 10 acres of food plots <clears throat> so like even now there's plenty of food there for the deer i think what we need what we need to improve is is the bedding cover we have some really good bedding cover and then we have some areas that are not good and when you get the when when you get the mindset it's that uh you can change pretty much anything you want then it's like well why would we just leave these areas useless you know, let's turn them into bedding then if they're not now. Or, uh, you know, let's let's not let this corner that we just didn't really worry about because it doesn't set, set up good to hunt, let's let's turn it into some bedding or whatever. Um, Absolutely, so, don't have wasted ground. Right, exactly. Yep, and that looks different for everybody too. And per property, that's different. Like I said, I'm we didn't totally decide what all we're doing. Usually March, we kind of do what we're looking to get done out there and yeah not exactly sure what all that is but it will be some some cutting um one food plot we're going to change the kind of the the way it lays out a little bit let one end of it grow up a little more and push out a little more on the other end of it uh just make it a little easier to to access we had planted some switchgrass two years ago i'd like to plant some more of that um but yeah other than that, that's probably probably all we'll get done before we know it'll be time to plant food plots again. And it will be. It's it's everything else. It's it always comes quicker than we realize. But right. I think the uh, the biggest thing I can say is this is the time of year that I love to plant because everything still looks the same as it did in hunting season. Right. And you've got a you've got it fresh in your mind what went well what went wrong and you can capitalize on how you can improve your access to a lot of those locations and how you can improve your your setup of that hunt whether it's you know doing some some physical sweat equity on a private piece or if you just need to access and hunt a different tree a little bit different and and capitalize on that public land spot you know all the features lay out the same food bed food bedding security um and, and water for that matter, but mainly security cover and, and food. You just got to figure out how it lays on your public piece versus your private right, piece. Right, right, yeah. So I think we rambled on long enough, what yeah, do you think? Yeah, probably so. 
probably time to wrap it up and uh yeah hopefully we can uh maybe do more of these in the future i would love that man that would be a great thing to tinker with i think we got a lot of stuff that we could chat about yeah. as you say we talked about trying to keep this at an hour and we didn't do too bad it's we're an hour and 16 minutes here yeah. we got a little bit of pre-roll before we started up so it's one of those where it's not hard to start talking about deer if it's right. something you like right yeah very good well until next time um until next time, get out there and get your boots yeah, on the ground as long as the say. snow doesn't get your take boots off. on the ground. Get your scouting in. It'll be, uh, like we said, it'll be green up before we know it. Exactly. So, all is well. Farewell. Yep. Take her easy. Later.